0: All right, and are you ready for the Word of the Lord this morning? I'm going to try that again. Are you ready for the Word of the Lord this morning? Yeah. Man, we have a special treat for you this morning. It's, man, how many years ago did we start this, Pastor Tim? Five years ago, probably? Four or five years ago? Five or six years ago. We started where every every month that has a fifth Sunday in it, there are three young men that, are, that have been coming up i'll just say coming up uh that speak that share that morning each of them speaking for 12 minutes and and we have the timekeeper sitting right here in the middle so once they're introduced and they get a hold of the microphone they have 12 minutes to bring an amazing incredible message and without fail over all of these years every time they have done that These guys, I don't give them anything, I just say, Holy Spirit's gonna give you what to speak. And every time that has happened, and they've all threaded, just gone together so smoothly, so nicely. My expectation is that's exactly what's gonna happen one more time today. So we got our timer ready there. So I want to introduce to you, it doesn't really take a lot of introduction to introduce this first guy, he's been up here several times, he pastors our youth, he's just been another amazing and an incredible blessing to Valley Church, he and his beautiful family, his wife and amazing kids. that. Um, So let's just welcome this powerful man of God that leads us so well in flowing in the spirit, Pastor Tim Martinez.
1: And time starts now. Okay, here we go. Isn't God amazing? Oh, come on, isn't God amazing? As the first person to come up here, I feel like there is Holy Ghost fire that is blowing through this place. I've got goosebumps all over. But I've got to tell you, I've studied, I read, I locked myself in my bedroom for hours on end, and I woke up on the floor listening to worship music, and I was just like, Jesus, I don't know what you want to say or what you want to do. And, and I felt like there was a couple things to say, and then last night, um, well, this a couple months ago, we started to do it. We do prophetic words. Uh, we do worship and word nights every other Wednesday in the youth group. And one of those worship and word nights, we, we dug into some worship. We had a great time. And then we just went off to the prophetic with our youth group. And we just started prophesying over them, calling out words over them. Um, it was just absolutely amazing. But one person that I had, I had done it for was I was telling the young man, I said, you're going to start having dreams. So start preparing. And little did I realize I was probably speaking to myself more and prophesying over myself more. Because ever since then, a couple months ago, I've had dreams nonstop of different things that have happened. And last night was one of those dreams. And so I woke up this morning at 6.30, like just fired and lit of what God was going to do. So the dream started off with Pastor Lynn introduced me um, on the platform. Maybe I was a little nervous for today. But the dream started off that Pastor Lynn introduced me to the platform, and when I came up to the platform, everybody in the audience had something over their mouth. Now, please, it's not a political dream. I'm not trying to say anything against masks. I'm just saying it was like duct tape kind of thing that was over everyone's mouth. And as, we started, as I started to try to speak, I started to feel that wind, the Holy Ghost wind, start to blow through the place. And I saw people's hair start to move, and I saw clothes start to rattle because then all of a sudden it was like the wind ripped off what was ever on the people's mouths. Everybody had it, right? Right? And in the dream, I literally stopped and I said, Jesus, what are you saying? And he said, it's because I sent my spirit to make the church arise. They're no longer going to be silent, but they're going to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that I originally intended for them. And so I felt like this morning that what God is really wanting us to do and to move into this next season in our life is what he wants us to walk in is our true identity of who you and I are called to be. Does that kind of make sense a little bit? And I, and I felt like I woke up with these verses on my, on my heart because the Lord was, was really stern with me this morning. It was Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 27. In the Passion Translation it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the realm of heaven's kingdom. It's only those who persist in doing the will of my heavenly Father. Does anybody want to do the will of our heavenly Father? persist on doing the will of my heavenly father on the day of judgment many will say to me lord lord don't you remember us didn't we prophesy in your name didn't we cast out demons and do many miracles for the sake of your name but i will say to them go away from me you lawless rebels i've never been joined to you everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation Oh, I love that unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the flood came, the fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. But everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. When it rained and rained and the flood came with wind and waves beating upon his house, it collapsed and was swept away. It, 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 it rings to be true that I felt like that dream was such a, a prophetic a, a warning to all of us and even to myself that it's time for us to arise and put our feet on firm foundation. That it's not going to be something that I can continue to play patty cake with church or I can come through and go through the motion, but is it actually going to be inside of my heart and mind? I watched a video the other day and this man went to China and he's talking about the underground church and how they had to meet and what they had to do. And when he's leaving, he said that the the church in China asked him and said, pray for us because we want to be like the American church. We want to be able to gather together. We want to be able to sit on pews. We want to be able to hang out with each other out in the open. Pray for us. And the man said he started to cry because he said, I don't want you to be like us. I want to be like you. He said, because they, they rode the train for 13 hours to get to be able to hear the word of God. And he says, in the American church, sometimes we get upset when we have to drive 30 minutes to get to church. He says, you sat for hours on the wooden floor, and yet we get upset when the, 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 the chair isn't to the right mold that we've been sitting in forever. He says, but you've been sitting without air conditioning or, or heating, and yet we get upset. And he says, I don't want to you to be like us. I want to be like you. And I was so convicted in my heart after I watched that video because I said, Jesus, I don't want them to be like me. I want to be like them. That they are so hungry for the word of God that they're willing to take prison time so that they can hear and they can read and they can have a relationship with you that I don't want to get comfortable anymore because whether we like it or not, the winds and the rains are going to come whether we like it or not, the, the storms and trials are ahead of us. But we do know this, is that when we put our firm foundation on the rock Christ Jesus, when we put our hope and trust and faith, knowing who he is, and also knowing who I'm called to be. Amen? It, it's, it's so awesome. Yesterday, this, this season, we thought we would do—am I good on time? Okay, perfect. This season, we thought we would do some, some family memories, right? Because it's coming into the Christmas season, and you want, you want your kids to grow up remembering certain things. So we thought to ourselves, we don't want to just go buy a tree or put up our fake tree. We actually want to do the Idaho thing and go cut our own tree. That's what I'm talking about, right? I instantly, like, grew a beard as soon as I made that decision. <laughs> we thought to ourselves, how awesome is it going to be with our family to be able to travel? So we did it. On, on Friday we got up early after Thanksgiving which was so amazing full of turkey and ham we get up we pack out the car my wife just so amazing she she gets all these things ready blankets and and wa- I mean snacks and all these things you know we get the saw ready we get the, the tie downs everything is prepared we get up to the mountain, and we're, as we're passing cars, people are coming through, and you can see them as they're, and we're, you know, we're doing the judging thing, and please don't, don't judge us, but we're judging people's trees as they're driving past us, and we're like, yes, we want one like that, or no, that was a little too small, or really, it was my wife doing it, but that's okay, I'll say it was us, and, and what we were doing was, I know, I know, hold on, stay with me, so we're passing people's trees, and we're kind of going like, well, we want one of those, one of those, we asked somebody, and the guy said, we stopped, and we said, where did you cut your tree down? And he says, oh, you had to climb the mountain and cut it down and then bring it back and forth. And I was like, I'm in tennis shoes. (laughs) I thought they were by the side of the road. And I was like, okay, we're okay, we'll get it. We'll, and my wife's like, no, no, we're gonna get this tree. So we get the, we, we, we continue driving, we pass you know, one of the cities and we stop again and these people have this beautiful tree sitting on top of their car. And we're like, hey, where did you get your tree? And he's like, oh, he starts showing us the map and he starts telling us this is where you're gonna go, you're gonna turn this way and you're gonna be, it's gonna be so fun and amazing. We get going, we pass that turn And it's one of those times in the car that we start asking each other, should we have turned back there or do we just keep going? Well, we decided to keep going. And we went and we drove and we drove and we drove till finally we stop where a bunch of people are. We see them coming out of the woods, dragging their trees. Looks absolutely amazing. I'm like, this tree is going to smell amazing, right? It's going to be nature, right? And so we, 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 get out of the car, we get our stuff, we start trekking through the snow, all of us are basically in tennis shoes, we're going, snow's up to our, to our knees, but I'm realizing that I'm, we're having to, to do this walk, and how committed are we really to see this tree into our living room, and how much we were doing all these different works to be able to get us this beautiful, magnificent tree. I thought it was going to be like family vacation thing, that the light was going to be on it, right, and it was going to be like, that's the tree, cut it down, you know, But it wasn't like that. We get a couple feet, our family is finally freezing. My son, one of the kids, the youngest one, he fell into the snow, his hands are cold and he's shaking. Uh, People gotta use the restroom. It's just one of those family times. Finally, my wife has decided, I don't care what tree, just cut it. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm down, let's cut this tree, right? cutting this tree down. I'm dragging it. Like I said, I'm instantly growing a beard. I feel like I should be wearing a flannel and I'm walking through the snow. We get it onto our car and I do the, uh, the thing is I want to make sure that it's tied to the roof securely. I want to make sure it's got a good time. Little did I realize that I put the strap a little too far back. So when we start traveling down the mountain, everything's beautiful and amazing until we get on the freeway. I get it up to freeway speed. No, I was not speeding. I was going 65, because that's what you do here in Idaho. And all of a sudden, you can hear the trees start to kind of rattle. And in my mind, I do that. We should really stop, so I should check this. But I didn't, because, right, we're going to get going home. And all of a sudden, you hear a snap. And we thought it came through the roof. I instantly pull her to the side. I'm like, we get out before we get out of the car. It's like, babe, our tree's done with. She's like, no, 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 go check, so I get out of there, and sure enough, the tree, because I had put the strap too far down, I know, I put the strap too far down, it snapped the tree in half. So we came home with half a tree. But one thing that kept realizing and kept coming back to my mind was, am I really securing enough in my life? Am I making sure that things are secured and tied down enough? Because when the wind and the rain started to come, and the, we started to drive down, and the wind was passing, was I secured enough? I thought about Second uh, uh, Peter, chapter three, verse eleven. Excuse me, verses three through eleven. Uh, we might. I'm running out of time, huh? So we're gonna we're gonna kind of jump down a little bit. Um, I think it's verse eleven, as he's talking about that we want to make sure that our calling and election is sure because of everything that we're, there we go, thank you. For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. You will never stumble. As a result, the kingdom's gates will open wide for you as God choreograph, choreographs, your triumphant entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. So I said to say this, make sure you're strapping your tree down correctly when you go down, because we want to make sure that we are tied to the most high living God. I don't want nothing to shake me or stir me, because I want my feet to be planted on a firm foundation and be strapped to the one who loves us and cares for us, who died for us, and who is here for you today. And so when we got home, we did the amazing thing. We changed our clothes. We got into something warm and comfy, and we went down the street and bought a tree. (laughs) Little did I know that the goodness of God was right down the street waiting for me. I didn't have to truck through the mountain. I didn't have to put my kids through the snow. I didn't, one of them came back half naked because of all the wet he had. And we had to wrap him in a blanket to get him home. But little did I know that it's not by my might nor by my power, but it's by the Holy Spirit, and it's by his comfort. So we just love you, Jesus. We thank you. Can we give the Lord a hand cup of praise this morning? Wait a second. Wait a second. Okay. <laughs>
0: Uh, He shaved this morning. He shaved. shaved. (laughs) Let's give one more round of applause. Our appreciation for Pastor Tim. That was amazing. Good good word. Now, this young man, wherever he's at, in the back. Someone who has been a, a part of Valley for such a long, long, long time, and God has used him in so many areas, in so many ways, he has... Such a gifting on his life and I just appreciate him so much. One of the teachers at VSSM, children's ministry, he's done many, many things here at Valley Church. We're so grateful for him. Let's just give a big welcome for Pastor Benjamin Snell.
2: Awesome. So there's always so many things that that wrap together. Um, but I want to take you back. We, we did the, the, the supper last, last week. And everybody got to come in and was invited. And I want you to kind of have that picture in your mind. But I've got to go back further. We've got to go back to Genesis. We've got to go back to the garden. And I want you to put yourself in the garden as Adam or Eve. And walking through the garden with God as he's showing you all the different things and asking you to name things and giving you fruit and asking you to taste it. And what should this be called? Now, everybody, keep in mind, think of your favorite fruit, whatever it is, pineapple, apples, oranges, grapefruit, grapes, whatever it is, think of your favorite fruit. Mine is a peach, a fresh peach, now, there's something, has, any, has anybody ever had the opportunity to eat a piece of fruit fresh off the vine or fresh off the tree? Okay, so I um, grew up here in Idaho, and my, my grandfather was a, the, the, the crew leader for, for picking. And so I got to pick apples and peaches and plums and, and everything. But there's nothing like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning walking into an orchard where there's still dew on everything and grabbing a fresh peach off the tree and taking a bite of it. (laughs) And it drips down your elbow. Because everybody's salivating. Perfect, that's where I want you. Okay, now think about that. Think of how wonderful that was. And the look on God's face as he's looking at you and you're, you're, you're looking around in amazement and in wonder of this incredible creation that he's put before you. That's the beginning. Obviously, there was a fall. He made a promise. What I really want to talk to you about is the wedding supper. We're going to come back around. Now, keep in mind your favorite food now, whatever it is. Keep that pictured in your mind. Keep your, keep your uh, jowls salivating there. There's three parts to an ancient Jewish wedding. There's the first part, which is the the commitment. Um, Shittiken. Is that right? Where's joy? Did I say that right? The shittiken. So in that part, they make a a commitment to each other. There's a, a contract written up. A dowry is set. This is the price that has to be paid for you to marry my daughter. Daughter gets brought in. Hey, are you willing to accept this? She says yes, hopefully, right? And then and you move on. That moves you into the second, which is the erison. That's the engagement or the betrothal. Friends, that's where we are right now. We're in the midst of this betrothal. He's already come. He's made the contract. He's even paid the dowry which in this case was every drop of his blood. He's paid that dowry. Now we're waiting. The way this worked in a Jewish wedding is that contract was made. Now the bridegroom goes home to his father's house and he builds an area in the house, an addition to the house for him and his new bride to live. And he's going to come back. But the bride does not know when he will return. He doesn't, she doesn't know. It could be at any point in time, so you have the the parable in, in Matthew and mark of of the ten virgins, and they didn't know when the bridegroom was returning, and it says that the wise virgins right they, they kept their their lamp oil filled and their wicks trimmed and they were ready to go because there's a torchlight parade there's this great pomp and circumstance when the bridegroom returns for his bride it's a huge deal they go blowing the shofar through the streets and there's this parade as he takes her back to his house I don't know about you but I'm getting chills just talking about that he's coming we're waiting to hear We need to be ready. We need to have our wicks trimmed and our lamps ready. We have extra oil. We need to be ready because we don't know when he's coming back. It could be at any point in time. And when we hear that shofar, when we hear that trumpet, we've got to be able to get up, grab our stuff, and go. Because there's going to be this great pomp and circumstance. in 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 Revelation, when it says when he comes back, The sky is going to peel back. Every mountain and every island will be displaced. Is that a big enough pomp and circumstance? He's coming back for his bride. He's making a big noise and a big fuss out of it. And then he's going to bring his bride who's prepared, who's dressed in white linen, who's pure. He's going to bring her back with him. And what do we get to do? We get to come back into this wedding supper. So that's the third part, the nishuin, which means to take. He's going to take us back. This is the actual end of the three parts of the marriage where the bridegroom brings his bride back into his house, the house that he's gone to prepare And they have this great feast, this party. It usually goes for seven days. There's music, there's food, there's dancing, there's rejoicing, this amazing party. And this is what's been on my mind for the last several months. VSSM students who are in here have probably heard me say it three or four times in the last several months. The wedding supper Picture the food. Your favorite dish, it's there. And better than you've ever remembered it. It's even better than the way grandma made it. Your favorite dish. Your favorite music. There's dancing. There's worship. There's rejoicing. People are jumping around. They're having a good time. They're singing. Now think about who you're going to see. Who's going to be there with you? Who's going to be there with you? So I'm reminded of the parable of the the feast in in Matthew 22. When Jesus is talking about this this wedding supper. And he says, you know, this great ruler threw threw a, a wedding supper for his son and he invited all his friends and he sent messengers out to say hey it's ready come and they ignored the messengers and some of them treated them poorly some of them even killed the messengers and Jesus said the ruler said you know what my house will be full i want my house to be full the ones who i invited are not worthy. So go out to the highways and the byways. Find whoever you can. Anybody. Whether they're good or bad. It doesn't matter. Go find somebody. Go find people so that my house is full. And so the messengers go out and they find people and they bring them back. And it says, the ruler comes in and he, he looks around and he sees all these people and he's happy. Now I want you to picture that. Because here, this is when God comes in. This is when the Father comes in. This is when Christ comes in. And he walks into the room. And everything changes, right? All of a sudden, all the attention's on him. Look him in the eye. See the look on his face. And you'll recognize that same look. It's the same exact look, the same smile, the same tears in his eyes as was in the garden. That excitement that you're here. You're here. I've longed for you to be here. I've paid a great price for you to be here. I've been preparing this place for you. But all of that means nothing because you're here. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. He wants us there. And he wants as many as of, uh, of us there as, as we can get there. And that's our job. We're the messengers. Now that we've been called, we we are now the bride of Christ. And now that we've been called, it's our job to share that news and share with everybody else. Hey, there's this supper coming. There's this party that you want to be a part of. This party that you can't miss. You've got to be there. Everybody who's anybody is going to be there. You've got to be there. But make sure, because one of the things that it says in, in that parable is when, when the ruler walks in he sees a man that's not wearing his wedding garb. He's not dressed in the white linen that he's supposed to be dressed in. And the ruler looks at that man and says, how'd you get in here? How'd you get in here without your, with, without your wedding vestments? How are you here not dressed properly? And he has the guards come and throw him out into the outer darkness, he says, where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Here's the fun part. He's not only the bridegroom. He's not only the dowry. He's also the vestment. So we put him on. We put on Christ. We wear his righteousness. And that's our ticket into the banquet. And trust me, you want to be there. You want to be there. Because those sweet peaches... Oh, man. Oh, man. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. I just appreciate every one of you that have come today who have taken the time out of your day to, to come and hear the Word of God, to hear what God has for you today. And I know there's just so much more. So, Father God, I just thank you for, for all of this, for the opportunity to come up and speak, for the willingness of those who are here to listen and to receive your word and your message. And Father God, I just look forward to that day where we are sitting at the table with you, and I can look up to the head of the table and see that look on your face of pride and happiness and enjoyment That joy that was set before you that you endured the cross for. And we get to finally see that joyous look on your face. Thank you, Jesus, in your holy name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen, amen, amen. It's a great word. There was Amigo number two. Are you ready for Amigo number three? I'm going, to, I'm going to introduce him as well as Pastor Matthew Forsyth. I'm speaking things that are going to be as they are. This This young man, it, sometimes it, it so amazes me that I will get up and end up preaching a message or hear from him, bring him in because he's done oftentimes transition mid-service and stuff, and he's going, oh, my word, that's the word, that that's the passage that I was studying just this morning, or that's what the Lord gave me. It's something that that we, we, we get our antennas up in exactly the same airwaves oftentimes, very like-minded. I am so grateful for, appreciative of, thank you, Lord, for Pastor... Again, I say, speaking things that aren't yet as they, if they were. Just welcome Matthew Forsyth.
3: Thank you. Thank you, my righteous brother. Yeah, Don, love it. Are you guys having fun this morning? Isn't he good this morning? Thank you, worship team. I love that song. I will see your goodness in the land of the living. I've never heard that song. Love it. Awesome. We'll get to that in a second here. There is a river of life running through all of life. There is a river of life running through all of life. And to see this river, to experience this river, to understand this river, I want to take us back to the headwaters. You guys know what headwaters are? We've heard some stories this morning about going, going back to the mountains and, and cabins and getting Christmas trees. Every river, the Snake River, the Boise River, Indian Creek, they all go back up. To the headwaters, and usually those are high up in the mountains, right? You got to go high up in the mountains. And so, I want to take us back to the headwaters of this river that I'm talking about. And to do that, we got to go way back, way back, because this river has been flowing for all of eternity, will be flowing for all of eternity. And to understand it, I want to go back to those headwaters. This is the Apostle John some of the most profound words that were ever written. In the beginning, and I'll just say the beginning of beginnings, back at the headwaters was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, we've heard that maybe since we were young, if we grew up in the church, and it kind of just goes over our heads But what John was saying in the context, especially of of his world, was profound to a Jewish audience. Let me say it again. In the beginning, the beginning of beginnings. And again, if you guys, you know, I'm going to make an assumption here. We know our Gospels. Mark, he brings us back to the prophet Isaiah. So he goes back about 700 years. And then Matthew brings us back to Abraham. He, he ties Jesus all the way back to Abraham. And then Luke goes even further back, all the way back to Adam. He traces the lineage all the way back to Adam and calls Adam the son of God. But John brings us back before all of that, to the headwaters, to where all this started before, we, you know, this beautiful building in, in creation and all the things we experience here in the land of the living, there's an origin. And I think to understand the river and to understand our lives, we need to go back to the beginning. I often find myself wanting to go back to the beginning. What is the origin? And here John just radically says Jesus was the word, the logos, the sum total of everything that God wanted to communicate. And that word was, and here's the most important word, with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That word with is to interface, to be turned towards, to be face-to-face. So in the beginning, you have the Father turned towards his Son. And the Son turned towards his Father in the Holy Spirit. And in this beginning there was an exchange. See, that word with means there was an exchange. The father was exchanging with the son, the son exchanging with the father. And there was, there was no envy here. There was no bitterness here. There was no shame here, but only abundance and purity And other-centeredness, I glorify you, I love you. And, And the Father is saying back to the Son, I love you. And the Holy Spirit is creating that atmosphere. You know, we talk about atmosphere. And there was just this divine exchange right here in the beginning. But imagine there came a point when they said, you know, this is too good for us to contain. We need to share this goodness, right? Have you ever been around a very loving family? Or maybe a marriage. Maybe you were blessed growing up like I was to be a part of a marriage. Maybe there were neighbors or people in your church and you're like, there is so much love in this family. I I had a lot of brokenness, a lot of pain in my family and God put families in my life. And there was just so much love and generosity and there's more than enough food and there's more than enough hugs and there's more than enough love. This is, It's from this place that all all of life came. And and the Father, Son, and Spirit said, this is too much for us to contain. This family life is too good for us to keep to ourselves. And so they wanted to share that. And that's that's where we came about. This This is where we started. From this relationship, Father, Son, and Spirit. This is where we were created. This is where we were born. Isn't that good news? I think that's good. Amen. And then going on in John, John, you know, paints this picture a little more. Let's go to John 17, verse, and you can look up there. I gave these scriptures to Linda earlier. John 17, verse 5. John, you know, paints this picture that Jesus was with his father. They were face to face. And then in John 17, 5, he says, Father, Glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So there was face to face, but then there was glory. So the Father was glorifying the Son, the Son glorifying the Father in the Spirit. I esteem you. I value you. No, I value you. Again, think of this family life, right? This is where we come from. We can't understand our lives if we don't know where we come from. Let's let's go a little further. John 17, verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Whoa. Yes. So there was a dance of glory, you might call. You know, in dancing, there's a given exchange. There was a given exchange of glory. There was the original dance, and I loved our sister, I forget your name, dancing this morning. That was beautiful. Yes, wherever you are, I don't know where you're at, but that was beautiful. I love the flag, and it was awesome. But there was this dance of glory. There was this exchange of, I esteem you, you esteem me. And then we know the Father, Jesus says, Father, you love me before the world began. So we know that there was love there, right? And then John shares one more scripture, and there's more of these, but I'm just going to share these three. Let's go to 1 John. This is uh, John's epistle here. John 1, 1 and 2. And again, John, even in his epistle, he starts it off with the beginning, right? Those headwaters. Where did everything begin? That origin. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Whoa. So there was glory in the beginning. There was a dance of glory. We know that there was a a family of love and we know that there was eternal life, overflowing life, abundant life. What did Jesus say? I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And this is where that Life started, but here's, here's, here's the awesome news is that the river of this has been flowing and is flowing in our lives every day. It's not just Jesus, and it's not just the Father, and it's not just the Son, but one God in three persons within himself, family, within himself, a body, within himself, together, withness, right? Right? And I, I believe this morning, I was like, well, God, why are you putting this on my heart this morning? Why are you putting Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinity? Is this a Sunday school lesson? Well, I think a lot of times we forget. We forget this reality. And in our fragmented corona world, is it different than this? No, this hasn't changed. But the world right now, what we're hearing is isolate yourself, get away from others, don't spend time with family, don't call that person who needs encouragement. You keep six feet, if not 12 feet apart, but that is not like this relationship at all. That is nothing like this relationship. This relationship's about closeness and withness and togetherness. And in this relationship, is there perfect love? what does perfect love do? It casts out fear. This is the environment of God. And this is not just the origin, but this is the river flowing through all of our lives. And God is helped me, helping me, and I, like all of you, to see this reality. You know, a lot of times we think, even in the day-to-day, right? Because this is practical. And that sounds ethereal and wow, that's amazing. But what in the world does that have to do with my life? Well, I, I think of my family. You know, over the last, uh, you know, since February, I've been home more than ever, which has been a huge blessing. I don't know. How many have experienced blessing by being home more than ever in their whole career? Yeah, I see a lot of hands. I mean, I, I spend way more time with my family than I ever have. Sometimes it comes with, uh, you know, some challenges here. My office is graciously my son Parker's room. My 13-year-old teenage son's room is my office during the day where I'm making calls, and I'm loud and boisterous. I was in the living room, and they, they said, Matthew, we can't get anything done. You got to go in Parker's room and shut the door. The problem is the gap between the door and the floor is this big. So it's come with its tensions, but it's also come with its blessings, you know, and, and my son, ever since he was young, he has this love for chemistry. He loves to see how chemicals react. We've even bought him some Slightly volatile chemicals in a safe environment, and you know, uh, he wants to know how black powder's made, and he wants to actually experience how black powder's made, and gunpowder. But I think of that and I say, you know, is that just happenstance, or is that the act of generosity of this relationship? Sharing that desire and that love with my son. And an invitation for my son to know the creativity here in his chemistry. Or I think of my daughter, Riley, my 12-year-old daughter. You know, she loves animals. If you've ever been around Riley, if you've followed her on Facebook, she, she has rabbits and she breeds rabbits. And there were days, you know, because I'm home, where she's selling these things online. And there was a day like four SUVs show up to our house <laughs> And she's bringing them out, you know, fresh rabbits and making money. And I'm just, like, so proud of her. So proud of her. Uh, you know, I do sales and business, so that was part of it. But where did that desire come from? Where did that practical, simple desire, does it have anything to do with this? Of course, it has everything to do with this. I think of my, my son, Raul, you know, four years old. We never told him to love sharks, but he loves sharks. He just loves sharks. He loves playing with sharks. He talks about sharks all day. Sometimes it's like, okay, we've heard enough about sharks, you know, shark, 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 shark. And he knows the different kinds. And at, uh, we, had, we shared with our, our you know, Tess's parents, we had Thanksgiving, and they had waiting for him his own shark plate for Thanksgiving. And his eyes lit up. But those moments, how often do we let these little moments go by? You know, we, we, we waste a lot of time because we're worried, we're upset. We're just blind and not aware. Maybe our attention is not up, as Pastor Lynn was saying. Father, Son, Spirit, what are you communicating in this moment? Can your, is your love, is this river, is this dance active in my four-year-old son's love for sharks? Yes, just as much as he is in your times of worship and raising your hands, and praise God for those times we had this morning, and again, I think of my my wife, you know, she painted that. If you've been around the church, you know, she just has so much creativity, and what she's done to the house over the last couple years, even the last six months, some of the little renovations and all that, and I've spent a lot of time in our house because I'm not traveling for business, and To see that creativity and the environment that she creates, did that just originate with her? And is that something she just shares completely apart from this? Or is this, in my wife's gifts, the Father, Son, and Spirit, lavishly sharing that? That desire to make home. That desire to make things beautiful that desire to create an environment that's orderly and pleasant to the eye and yet functions. She's very good at functionality. I don't always think of functionality, but my wife does, and I'm thankful that she does. You know, living at home, there probably all the more there's times where I got to get away. Does anyone have to just get away by themselves somewhere? And right now, maybe it's a little hard at home, right? You're all living together and And ever since, I I would say 20, 25 years, every time I want to get away, my first thought is I want to get by water. I want to be by a river. I want to be by a creek. I want to be by a lake, just the ocean. It's kind of hard right now in Idaho. But I had two years where I live a half a block from the Atlantic Ocean. I could hear the waves from my house. So nice. But I find myself, you know, And again, where did that desire come from? I love sitting by the water because you can, you know, the scripture says his voice is like rushing waters, right? And you just hear that continual flow. I love just the sound of a river or the sound of a creek. Where did that come from? And why do I find myself over the years constantly going back to rivers? I know many of you fish here and fishing on a river, fishing on a lake. Where did that desire come from? and i've spent a lot of time recently taking walks on uh the caldwell Greenbelt along indian creek who here has enjoyed that especially the last couple years what the city has done there and if any of you are involved with that or donated to that or had any part of that i just think it's brought so much life to downtown caldwell i love the indian creek plaza the businesses that are are are, you know i believe third It looks like they're flourishing down there and I hope they flourish like crazy. Caldwell, you know, and it's brought a lot of people. People come from Meridian. People come from Boise to see the Caldwell lights. Our family hasn't done that yet this year, but I know it's coming. We might do it a couple times, but I love going down there. In the last week, I've gone down by Indian Creek and I've walked the whole Greenbelt just enjoying this Father, Son, and Spirit. And I, I came upon one, they have all these new history plaques, especially on the other side of Tent, the part of Tent that didn't really have any, the water was never exposed there and they they exposed it and, you know, that river when, when Cobble first started, that creek was, was a kind of a focal point of the downtown, but then very quickly it kind of got overgrown. And then in the early... 1900s buildings were over it and it was even at one point they said a lot of refuse was in it and again if some of you have been here a long time you've probably experienced this history but there was a group of women back in the early 1900s called the forward club and they were a group of women who said we want to create a green belt we want this this creek you know to have prominence and to be this beautiful thing and and we want to beautify it um But their dream didn't come true until, I guess, the turn of the century. Um, Finally, the city got together, city of Caldwell, and said, we are going to make this thing beautiful again. And, you know, I haven't been here 20 years. I've just been here about six or seven. But I've even seen all the development they've done and the bulldozers down there. And just how beautiful it is. I just walked that twice in the last week, and I just loved it. And on one of the signs it said, you know, that process that they've done is called daylighting. That often there's rivers and there's creeks, but buildings get over them, they get overgrown. And what the city has done is they've daylighted. This river has been flowing but they've created and they put up cement walls and they've brought the rocks in and and they've beautified that to give that river so your eyes catch it and you see it and you want to be by it, right? It's been daylighted. It's been brought to the light instead of covered up and forgotten. And immediately I just thought of in our lives what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is the great daylighter. The Holy Spirit is the great daylighter of the river of God. Because the river of this life is flowing right now in your life. And right after this, in John, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. That means in every dark area, I just want to encourage you this morning, every dark area of your life. You know, I, I know some of you have shared firsthand that you have sons or daughters who are not walking with the Lord, even some of them on drugs, living in all kinds of relationships even in that darkness father son and spirit are generously saying come on home there's family here there's love here there's acceptance here there's adoption here and the holy spirit right now is the great daylighter and so as we head into this Christmas season, I just want to end with this. You know, uh, it was already talked about by Pastor Lynn and Renee. I feel like today is the transition towards Christmas. Does anyone else feel that? This Sunday, particularly the Sunday after Thanksgiving, if you want to listen to Christmas music before, please don't, but Sunday today. Okay. We can start listening to it. And I'm, jo- I'm joking, but you know, today I feel like is finally way I can get my tree. I feel like you got your tree too early, Tim. Me. I, we might get ours today, but I think you went a little early. No, just kidding. But, You know, as we transition into Christmas, you know, um, we, you know, we celebrate the birth of Christ and we think of, you know, Christ as a, you know, a baby and just, we sang about in our songs how he crossed heaven, you know, and he he left heaven to become a baby and, and ultimately our savior. But, you know, John goes on to say that this river, this dance became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten father, full of grace and truth. Grace is the favor of God. Truth is reality as it really is. Jesus' life was displaying this reality because Jesus never did anything in isolation. He was always in the Father and the Father in Him, in the Holy Spirit. And the good news, as we, as we you know, enter this Christmas season, as we ponder the word that became flesh, this word that was with the Father face to face, that our simple human lives, one of the implications is that our simple human lives are not an inferior expression to the fullness of God. The full, that our human flesh experience, because it says the word became sarks, it became flesh just like we have. This fleshly body, this domain we live in is the battlefield, right? And we experience that. Some of you have been attacked by coronavirus and, and maybe other diseases, right? But when this life became flesh, for 33 years, Jesus was fighting back and resisting the evil and the pollution that wanted to affect this river. And he was obedient. He lived out of this family circle the whole time. He submitted to the Father. He yielded to the Father. He walked in the Holy Spirit. And he was constantly, when he was healing, inviting people into this. He was saying, this is my family. You know, we talked about the wedding feast. There's a father and there's a groom, all in the spirit, right? And as we celebrate Christmas, guys, we're, we're not just celebrating sentimentally, you know, just baby Jesus and he's gonna be our savior. But we, I felt like prophetically, what, I, what I, I guess I wanna say is, and it touched me so much, I will see your goodness in the land of the living. And we, yes, we need to keep the hope, the hope of heaven and the wedding feast. But I also want to say this life right now, the Father, Son, and Spirit want to to show you their generosity in your cooking, in your eating, in your marriage. When you're in the shower, it doesn't matter what part of life, this river is actively involved, inviting us into their life. Inviting us into their life. And this life is constantly seeking to become flesh in you. Not just the Father, not just the Son, not just the Spirit, but one God and three persons in their fullness. How many times does Paul say that you might be full to all the fullness of God? He's not leaving out the Spirit and the Father when he says that. He means the whole family. Jesus comes as a family. And I just think that's good news. You know, as. As we think of what would a marriage look like that's flowing from Father, Son, and Spirit? Would they be stingy and selfish? No. I love you. I honor you. No, let me serve you. Let me love you. What would a family with sons and daughters look like? There's not enough food. You're getting in my space. No, no. There's more than enough space. There's more than enough food. In fact, there's enough love here that, and this is what I've been challenged with, there's enough love for someone who's not even biologically part of our family. Is there enough love in this circle for the for for the orphans? Is there enough for the widows? Is there enough for the druggies and the prostitutes? And I just want to encourage you as we head into Christmas season. Oh man. I pray I, I pray with Paul, and I just pray this even as I'm looking at you guys and declaring it, that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes and open my eyes to see this. Because when you see this, you can't help but worship. You can't help but give thanks and praise. Because the God we see is the one we reflect. Is this our God, Father, Son, and Spirit? Of course and i just pray that during the season you would see that your eyes would be open that's why paul didn't pray i pray that they'd make this family happen i pray that somehow they'd get together as a body they'd pray enough they'd press in enough so that this could appear and happen no 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 this is the truth this is reality before you believe it or not before you make it happen regardless of your obedience the joy is that we receive this as truth we humbly say god this is your reality This is what's at work in my life. I know I hear corona, and I know I hear about job struggles, and I hear about the election, and who knows what's going to happen. But is this circle concerned about that? Stressed out? Worried? Anxious? No. This circle is fully confident. There is enough abundance here. There is enough love here. There is enough provision here. And I want to encourage you, drink from here. We, talked, we sang about a river this morning. Live in this river. Don't allow any of that pollution as, as you know, Renee was saying, you know, we, we allow so much pollution, but God wants us to sweep all that out. This is what he has for us. So let me just pray for you, and then we're going to have um, the prayer team come up. we were going to have a time of prayer, and I just want to pray for you, and then you guys can be released after that. And then if you want to stay and come up for prayer, I just encourage you. We've heard different words this morning and if something's, you know, tugged at your heart and you need prayer because you're in that darkness and you need help seeing what God's doing in your life, then come up. So I just want to pray. Father, I thank you for the fullness of your love. I thank you that Father and Son and Spirit, in your generosity, you share your table with us. You share your love with us. You share your life with us. You share your light with us. And I thank you that there's not a person here, whether two or three or 95, who are your, you are not sharing right now your life with them and inviting them and blessing them. And I just pray that every heart that you would open our eyes to see your goodness in the land of the living. That during this Christmas season, we would not be caught up. Help us, Lord, not to be busy with work and busy with getting gifts and just busy, 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 but to take time to be still and know that you are God. Help us to be still and know that you are God, Father, Son, and Spirit, weaving a beautiful tapestry in our lives planting your gifts everywhere. And I just pray for marriages that they would be strong in your love. I pray for families that they would be unified in the spirit. I pray for this church body that I'm a part of that we would be unified in love and that we wouldn't miss those that are struggling. That those are in the darkness. That we would treat them with honor that they wouldn't be overlooked. God, help us not to overlook, because you never overlook. (laughs) Help us not to overlook those that are struggling, that are part of this body or we haven't seen in four months, to give them a call or maybe text message or something. So Father, we love you. We give you all the glory for all that you've done this morning. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.